Hey, I'm Rachel, and I am so glad that you're here with me today talking about time management and busyness and stress and all the things that make life great but can make life really difficult to you. I want to focus on this concept of being overcommitted because I think it's something that is at the heart of so much chaos in our lives. We all are people who want to do things. We have gifts. We have things we want to say yes to. But sometimes we can start living a life that is just sort of not what we want our life to to look like. We say yes to things because we're asked. Maybe we don't have a plan for how to proceed. We have a lot of moving parts. And we get this idea that we are people that just have to be busy, that have to be having too many things going on because that's just a part of the deal. I know for me, I lived that way a long time because I'm a mom of six. I'm a wife. I work outside the home. I love running my household. I love laundry. I love cleaning. I'm weird like that. Um, you know, and so I'm somebody that has a lot going on. And I got to this point in my life a few years ago where I realized that um, I felt like I was just on this treadmill that never turned off. And the worst part was physically I was on the go a lot, but even worse than that, mentally, there was like this hamster living inside my head that just ran and ran and ran all the time. And a big part of that was because I had not yet learned to have real boundaries in my life. Over the course of several years, I started to really struggle with some things mentally. And then when I started to struggle with some things physically, I realized, and emotionally, I realized it was time for me to really get a grip on how I managed my time, how I made decisions. You know, I started giving it a lot of thought. And so um, as a result of that, I ended up writing two books about it. Make My Life Simple was the first of those two books, Making Peace to ha Heart and Home. Um, and Make My Life Simple, Making Peace to Heart, Bringing Peace to Heart and Home, sorry. And then the second book came out the next year called Overcommitted, Cut Chaos and Find Balance. And basically the first book really looks at practically how we can simplify our lives. Um, you know, kind of like life hacks, so to speak. How do you really like find peace in your home? How do you, you know, wake up in the morning and feel like you really can tackle the stuff that you're staring down every day? Why, you know, when my house feels messy, when I feel like I'm, you know, I can't get on top of the, the piles that are laying around the house. That book really looked at some practical things and it kind of like addresses it practically and emotionally and spiritually. So that, that book was just like, um, a heart project for me because, you know, when I started to really struggle with how my life was going and all the different moving parts of my day, I knew that they were interconnected. I knew that somehow, you know, God's plan for my life was one, not to live that way. And two, that he really wanted to be a part of everything I had going on. And I started to kind of consider what does that look like? What does that mean? You know, and I used to, for years would joke like, you know, how I, I consider this is in my bio, how cleaning my bathrooms is going to make me a saint. But I absolutely agree that way. The inner, I agree with this concept of the intersection between, you know, doing what God wants me to do and what I do, what's on my to-do list and like learning how those things inter interconnect and where they interconnect. So then the second book is called Overcommitted cut chaos and find balance. And this is so much more of an approach to practically with our calendar. So it's kind of like what the Simplify book was about 
with our home, the overcommitted book was really about how we say yes, how we say no, you know, and finding the combination with those. So in this podcast, I really want to just talk about all that stuff. You know, what brings us peace? How do we find peace? How do we move about our day in a way that we find real joy and freedom in all the stuff that we have going on? And so my hope is that, you know, I can share with you my journey. And I thought I'll read parts of the book and then just talk about them and, you know, get to a place where you start to understand that you can have control over what your life looks like. I want to back up to a couple of months ago, a very dear friend of mine went through something really hard, some real physical, something scary, and it was stress related ultimately, but we thought it was going to be something much worse. And I was praying for her one morning and I really felt like the Lord said, you know, ask yourself, what do I want my life to look like? And I really think that that is a right and a responsibility that we each have. We are not victims of our life, y'all. We do not just have to do what we do because that's how it is. Like, yes, God has given us our lives and a lot of us have very full lives. Um, the abundant life. I had a neighbor refer to it as that one time years ago and I could really identify with that concept, the abundant life. You know, but at the same time, just because our lives are abundant and full doesn't mean we have to be exhausted. And even worse than that is we don't have to be resentful. We can have boundaries. We can have, you know, the ability to stare down a day and say, what do I want this this day to look like? Now, that is easier said than done because a lot of us have calendars that are kind of written for us. You know, the list of things that I have going on in a day are not things that I necessarily choose to have. But the key is to really start to ask yourself, okay, what things are on my calendar because they just sort of like got there and I just let them be there? And what things are there because this is actively how I want to spend my time? And then figuring out, you know, okay, are some of these things that I resent things that I really want to be doing? And if the answer is yes, then learning how to have an attitude adjustment. You know, it's kind of like just taking ownership of the way our lives are looking and the way that our day goes. And there are so many different layers to this and I'm always blown away by it, you know? And that's kind of what I realized when I was writing the Make My Life Simple book is that the reality of our lives really are this circle. It's like this, and you might be thinking, yeah, I know, like this never ending cycle of day after day. And that is not what I mean. But let me back up a little bit because when the starting point of that book came to me because I realized that I was staring down every day and wishing for it to be over. That, that, it makes me like get a little bit of a lump in my throat thinking about that. Like that was the level I was living at. And there was nothing like the point was it wasn't a hard season the way some hard seasons are like, look, I have six kids. I've had those newborn seasons. I've had children going through difficult, like, you know, attitude adjustment seasons. Those kind of seasons you have grace for because there you are. There's nothing you can do about it. Like you've got a newborn. This is tough. 
Life's going to be rough for a while. And you know that. But where I was at was in this season where nothing was going to change unless I changed something. You know, I was getting up. I was I was working in a place that I loved, but it was not bringing me peace for a variety of reasons. Um, I basically would look at every day and figure out how much time I had and I would fill it with things all the time. I had no boundaries for myself. I had no margins for myself. You know, I had no way to pace myself. And as a result of that, I became very um, sort of depressed in a way. Like I, I wasn't crying all the time necessarily, but my attitude about the day was basically like, okay, here's what I've got to get through today. Instead of a real sense of like adventure and joy in the midst of it. Again, I know what difficult seasons and days look like um, and those ones that are inevitable. You know, I'm nine months pregnant. This won't last forever, but I'm not loving life right now versus everything about my life right now is going to be this way until I make a decision that something's going to change and what needs to change. So that first book was totally a result of being in that place in my life of realizing something is off and I don't know what it is. And I don't know how to change it, but I know it needs to change because I don't want to live this way open-ended. And I, and I think the point that I finally got to was that I realized God didn't want me to live this way. You know, like God, think about that, that scripture from Jeremiah, you know, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, you know, God has such excellent plans for you, for each one of us, um, He wants us to thrive. He wants us to do well. He wants us to have joy and peace in our lives. He doesn't want us to feel like just because, you know, we've put him in the center of our life or we try to, that life's just going to be a grind because I just have to suffer. You know, well, I'm not one of the lucky people that got picked to live my life on a yacht. I guess like I'm just going to be in the trenches here. That's not truth. You know, the truth of our lives is that each one of us is chosen by God. He wants good things for us. And to me, the very best thing, once you get past this idea of like good things means, you know, the fanciest car or the most money or the best, you know, um, materialistic things, um, those are not bad things. But just because you don't have those things doesn't mean God is not caring for you. What, What God really has for each one of us is true, deep, abiding joy. And when we put God in the center of everything we do, we're going to find that joy. Okay. But there's always a but. But we have to be willing to assess how we use our time, the resource of time and our talents, because we also have to be able to say, you know, I can't do all the things. I don't want to do all the things. God has peace and joy in store for me, but there's work that I have to do on my end in the midst of that. And it is that really interesting intersection between being a human being and having a soul and being beloved by God. God sent his own son to become a human. He knows the plight of human beings, right? So what I see when I think about that is the fact that God came, he became man. He understands our human weaknesses. He understands our human struggles And he wants us to have the tools to live our lives with the most freedom and the most joy that we can. Okay. So then I think about the fact that I'm a wife and I'm a mama and I'm living my life, 
um, right now, in this day, in this time, but that God still has deep, true joy available for me. And so in that season, when I realized I was not tapping into any of those, not very much of the, the joy and the freedom that God had to offer me, I had to start to kind of cut the fat and say, what is holding me back from experiencing true joy and peace in my vocation as a wife and a mom, in my vocation as a writer, um, in my vocation as somebody who has gifts that God's given me that I want to use, you know, the real joy that comes from using the gifts that God has given each of us. And so I had to really start to think about some things. Now, this is a really personal journey that each one of us has to have because, you know, this podcast is not necessarily about, you know, a one size fits all answer for cleaning the clutter. Those, I mean, but I love those kind of things, you know, here's, here's a guaranteed way to make your house clean, or here's a guaranteed way to make you love your life or a guaranteed way to make you not feel overwhelmed or overcommitted in your life. Um, but there is a, an equation, so to speak, that I think gets us closer to living exactly where it is that God wants us to live. Now, we're going to talk about that more in other episodes as we sort of unpack this concept of being overcommitted and, and having this deep desire to really love our lives, okay? We're going to get to that. But at the very heart of this issue is you have to start to embrace the fact that you are God's chosen, beloved child, that God is doing something in you, deep within you, that he cannot do in anybody else, okay? And that he loves you and he wants the very best for you. You are chosen, you are beloved. You have special stuff going on within you that nobody else has and that you're loved by God and that you are totally on his radar, okay? So I want you to really like grasp this concept because that is a concept that you have to start to embrace. That has to be the lens. Those are the sunglasses you stick on your face and everything you do is going to be seen through the lens of being chosen and beloved by God. And what it does is it starts to free you up to really walk in the fullness of the truth of who you are. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that you suddenly are somebody who doesn't have to go to the grocery store anymore. You don't have to clean your bathrooms. It means that you are somebody who is moving through your day doing what God wants you to do. And sometimes that's a lofty thing and sometimes it's a menial thing. But I'm telling you, this is your homework for the week, is to put those sunglasses on and start to see your life through the lens of being chosen and beloved by God. This was a very hard concept for me to grasp. Um, It didn't take long to grasp it because I really just poured my heart out to God. And I said, this is new for me. I've never seen myself through these lenses. I don't know why. You know, I've always known I was loved by God, but I never stopped to consider myself as being chosen. And I'm gonna tell you a little story about that. But before I do, I want to tell you that getting this concept is going to change your life. Maybe you don't struggle with this concept. I definitely struggled with it. And what I realized is that part 
of what motivated me was, I don't know, this sense of wanting to do the right thing, wanting to do right by God. But my relationship with the Lord, you know, at the end of the day, I would do like the St. Ignatius, like where, you know, what did I do today that like drew me closer to the Lord? When did I feel apart from the Lord? But it was so much more about getting it right. You know, I got to do better tomorrow. I got to walk in the right way. I got to, you know, I can't do this. I can't do that. And there was not the kind of freedom that God wanted me to have. And I actually was talking to my spiritual director about this one day and just said, you know, like, there's a real level of sort of exhaustion associated in my relationship with God. And I, I couldn't say it any other way. And I didn't even realize it until, you know, it was just like this light bulb moment of like, whoa, I feel like I'm somebody who's always trying to not mess up the next time. And, you know, it's like, I know that God loves me, but I'm like trying to please him in a way that I'm just not humanly capable of doing because I'm a human. And it's like, I want to please God through my actions. And because I'm this broken, sinful person, there's something deep within me that I always know I fall short because I'm a human. And I, you know, it's not even that I'm walking around necessarily doing horrible things, but it's like, you know, I think I was trying to assess my standing with God based on how I performed that day. And you're going to fall short. And so I get this book because my spiritual director recommended it, Henry Nouwen's Life of the Beloved. And one of the first concepts in there is really just this idea of being the beloved, hence the title. And it was this chapter about being chosen and knowing that we're chosen by God, each one of us. And y'all, it just was this crazy light bulb moment for me that God, before I was wounded or loved by anybody, God had chosen me. Before I started to define myself through, you know, whatever your earliest memory is, maybe your first memory. Okay, for me, I'm just going to lay it out here. This idea of being chosen, even just that word was very painful for me because it brought me back to a time of being in like third grade, set fourth grade, and being not the most athletic kid and, you know, lining up for kickball and all the other girls one by one getting picked until you're down to you and one other person standing there and you're kind of like, who's going to literally take one for the team? Okay, fine. We'll take her and then you guys take the other one. And that was my concept of chosen, y'all. Like, it's sad. And of course, you know, now I'm a grown person. I have a wonderful life. I don't feel like that person, but deep down, there was some flawed, broken thing in my brain about that, that went back to the idea of being chosen as a very painful and negative connotation. So the very first thing I had to do as I was reading this book and really grasping this concept is ask God to heal that for me. And he did. Um, there were, I mean, I had one day where I was having a quiet time, spending time in prayer and I cried and cried and cried. And I know that sounds melodramatic and I'm sorry. I hope you can handle knowing that about me, but it wasn't sadness, but it was like a deep healing going on and that the Lord was healing me of the lies that I had somehow latched onto about my chosenness 
you know, my belovedness. Uh, and that was so, it was such a change in my mentality, a paradigm shift, I think we call them, where for the first time I could see something about myself, not in a prideful way, but in real freedom of knowing who God made me to be, how much he loved me, and how special I was to him. And so that's your homework for this week. Before we dive into concepts of being overcommitted and simplifying our life, I want to start at the very beginning, which is this trying to grasp this deep understanding And it really can only happen through God's grace because our brains can't understand it. But of really asking God to show us how much, not just that he loves us, but I'm going to talk to you individually, not us as a group, because that always trips me up. This idea of like, I'm one of this huge pack of people, which is true. And none of this is about getting puffed up, y'all. The beautiful thing about going more fully into our true identity, our true identity with the Lord is that it's not anything to do with our human, you know, abilities. And the more you know that God is in love with you, the less you feel like you have to focus on it because it starts to become less about you and more about God. And I'm not telling you that I've arrived, but I'm telling you I am getting just the tiniest taste of the freedom that comes with this starting to really focus my identity on the Lord. Do you hear how making your identity in Jesus, the focus of your decisions can free you up in a lot of areas? So you're starting to see maybe this, aha, this connection between the trouble I get myself into by saying yes all the time, because maybe I'm saying yes to things because I want to feel good about myself or I want to prove something to somebody, or I want to impress somebody, or I'm afraid to say no. Okay. So like knowing how God sees me, believe it or not, impacts my calendar. It's crazy. And now the really beautiful thing is that this doesn't mean that we're going to just sit home all the time and do nothing. In fact, what we start to see is that God opens totally different doors because we're not so busy trying to open doors on our own out of our own humanness and our own flesh is that we have this peace and the trust in the Lord that he's going to do his thing. And my job is to be open to going where the Lord sends me. Okay. So your homework for this week, if you want to check out the book, it's life of the beloved by Henry Nowen. I mean, read that book because it's a game changer. It's beautiful. God did something so deep and profound for me in the midst of reading that. And I'm so grateful that, you know, My spiritual director told me to read that or suggested I read it. And then I want you to work on asking God to show you how to put on the sunglasses, how to see your life, your decisions, your day, everything around you through the lens of being God's beloved, because that really will change your life. It's going to change how you approach things. I want to thank you so much for being with me today as we start this journey of looking at overcommitted All the moving parts of our lives, the spiritual parts, the practical parts, the emotional parts. There are so many parts of us in our humanness and the abundant life. And it's such a gift to get to be a part of what God has going on within each one of us. And I know that, you know, because God sent his son to be human, he is aware of our plight and he will give us the tools we need to live a full, beautiful, 
life that is filled with deep joy. Have a great day.